This is The Ron Show for Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. We're on the back half, and I really want to uh, welcome and thank Atlanta Council Member at Large, Keisha Waits, for joining us. Uh, Thank you for joining us on The Ron Show. Uh, I reached out to you in specifics because we are faced with yet another shooting and tragic loss. Uh, This one, a mass shooting even here in Atlanta, which I kind of wonder, did we not get the national recognition because we only had the one casualty, but the one casualty just feels like such a gut punch when it's a 12-year-old, uh, 12-year-old Zion Charles uh, died in this uh, gunfire on the 17th Street Bridge. Ms. Waits, thanks for joining us. Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, in the wake of that, you have suggested that the city should look into a 7 p.m. curfew for those age 17 or under. Explain to me why you think that could be beneficial for not just the youth involved, but for overall safety in the city of Atlanta. Uh, thank you, Ron, for the opportunity to come on with you today and speak with your audience. So a couple things. It has not yet been officially reported, but it's my understanding that there is another 15-year-old that has transitioned as a result of that shooting, uh-huh. but it has not been released. So I think two deaths uh, are egregious. Uh, the reality is that we already have a curfew in the city of Atlanta. Unfortunately, many people are not aware of that. That is problematic. Secondly, that curfew is at 11 p.m. currently for 16 years and younger. All we're simply asking for is some revisions to the code to change the language to 17 and to change that to 17. Two reasons. There was no logical reason why 12-year-olds should have been out unsupervised at any hour. Frankly, I think uh, Atlantic Station had a 3 p.m. curfew. I don't know if you were aware of that. Mm. There were 400 young people who were in the area at the of this shooting when it occurred. Uh, so therefore, that's a significant strain on our law enforcement mm-hmm. uh, capacity. Uh, our retail vendors need our support. Uh, this is not an APD or a policing issue. This is a social issue. Mm-hmm. And frankly, this legislation speaks to parental accountability. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions in the provision for individuals attending school athletics and or emancipated uh, homeless teens. Mm. So we've already put provisions uh, in the legislation which are in the existing code as we speak. Mm-hmm. And so all we're asking for is the time. I have received pushback from families and from young people indicating that it seems a bit extreme and a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, but I will submit this to you. I believe for any parent uh that has lost a child to gun violence, they would certainly rather be inconvenienced momentarily or briefly uh, versus losing the life uh, of, you know, a child. And so right now this conversation is about saving lives. And Ron, I believe that drastic times require drastic measures. And we have to take some steps uh, that are extreme to protect public good and to protect our most vulnerable populations uh, such as Zion. So I don't necessarily see this as an extreme anyway at 7 p.m. Well, I mean, maybe in the summertime when when you still have sunlight at 7 p.m., you know, kids could still maybe be outside playing, but 400 congregating at a a strip mall or shopping center is a bit of a head scratcher. I get the angle, parental accountability. In Zion's case, his mother and his grandmother, I guess, helped co-raise. And, you know, with kids, it does take a village sometimes. 
How does a mother who believes that the system failed her because she tried outreach with uh, law enforcement to help tackle the problems that that Zion was going through, mental mental health issues, uh, being coerced by much older boys to do things, how does a mother like Zion's mother adhere to that policy doing all that she can if uh, she doesn't get assistance from local law enforcement? So, you know, I, I had the opportunity, uh, as many, to hear uh, Ms. Charles speak during public comment, during the public safety uh, segment. Mm-hmm. Hearing her well and hearing her cry out was extremely difficult to listen to. Yeah. So much so, if you recall, she specifically asked for a curfew, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement job is not to parent. We already know that. And this is a no judgment zone. The reality is, is that Ms. Charles in many ways was failed by society. Yeah. And I also think this tragedy does speak to the issue of unmet needs, specifically poverty, mm-hmm. a housing, a lack of access to health care services such as mental health. Yeah. Those things. And so certainly you will see more situations as such until we're able to wrap our arms around that. But in the meantime, the question, Ron, is what is it that we could do today right now? Right. Uh, I received calls from individuals saying, hey, we got to change our gun laws. Let's do gun reform at the state and federal level. Well, we live in a red state. During my tenure as a member of the General Assembly, I tackled that piece of legislation every single year. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is ensure that we know where our young people are. We can work with uh, the business and, and, and the corporate community to provide uh, restrictions so that we can monitor and get a better handle on where young people are until we're able to staff up our policing department, yeah. until we're able to provide some other outlets. And lastly, we're asking for our rec centers on Fridays and Saturdays to be open until 10 p.m. Mm. And so we are leaning forward because the thought is we do want young people to enjoy themselves. We do want young people to be kids. Mm-hmm. But the reality is 12-year-olds running around with guns unsupervised is not safe for the public at large. It's not safe for the young people who are involved. And so we've got to lean forward and be progressive with this conversation. We cannot sit back, you know, on our heads. You mentioned the fact that we live in a red state with fairly lax gun law, actually very lax gun laws, and uh, in a country that doesn't seem to, well, a country that has an appetite for gun reform, but a body politic that does not. So it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't scenarios. However, hearing of a 12-year-old with a weapon does raise questions like, how do we not hold accountable whoever that weapon is registered to or sold to that let it get into the wrong person's hands that it wound up in a scenario like this? I get your frustration, and I know that you've worked at the state level to try and legislate some of that away. How do we get to a point where our local law enforcement, APD, who were trying to restaff after COVID, how do we help them tackle that problem in a manner that they don't feel like they're going to be running afoul of state law and also not having to run around with paddy wagons holding kids until they can get a hold of moms or dads? So I want to be clear that this legislation starts a conversation. Mm -hmm. This is not a one-size-fits-all solution. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very open to any solution or alternative that anyone may offer. At this time, I can tell you I have not heard that. Mm 
Yeah. Uh, but I do believe that it's about starting the conversation and bringing everyone to the table. That is parents, stakeholders, the business community and young people who are impacted by this conversation. Right. Uh, I am very pleased to see that Lisa Harris, the school APS school superintendent, has been engaged in conversations. District attorney, Fulton County, D.A. Funny has been at the table. And so I think it's going to take a holistic, collaborative approach. Now, enforcement. You are correct. We do not need our law enforcement officials holding kids until we can track down their parents. I think that's unrealistic and unenforceable. Mm. But I do believe we can ask the corporate and business community, retail vendors, to not serve individuals who appear to be minors, such as 12 years of age, during school hours. I believe uh, we have reached out to MARTA uh, and asked their thoughts on denying access to their facilities and trains and public transportation. However, it's complex because many are coming from other jurisdictions outside of the city of Atlanta, Mm -hmm. and many of these youth are involved in other or engaged in other activities. So that one is a little bit, a bit more complex than the others. But we need the business and corporate community to step up as well. When you see large gatherings of young people who are unsupervised, call the police. Yeah. Uh, and and I have also heard the stories that many feel that they don't get the support that they need from law enforcement. I get that. So what is it that we need to do? And then again, it's going to take all of us changing the model of how we do business. All of us. The law enforcement community has to step up. The government agencies has to step up. And so that way we're not pointing fingers anymore. And I think we spent a lot of time blaming, doing the blame game. And now we have Zion's loss on our hands. You know, Zion is the son of Atlanta. All of us uh, have experienced a loss this morning, including the 15-year-old that transitioned, I believe, on yesterday. Mm. And so, you know, this could have happened to any of our children. And uh, I believe now is the time to act and so that we can at least start putting some small measures in place. For those who speak to the inconvenience or the overreach, I believe the loss of a 12-year-old child certainly is egregious enough Mm. for us to be inconvenienced. Absolutely. A reminder to our listeners, we're on with Atlanta City Council member at large, Keisha Waits. And Ms. Waits has suggested a 7 p.m. curfew, and as she has termed it, a conversation starter about how to deal with juveniles in the streets causing issues such as the shooting last weekend at Atlantic or near Atlantic Station that involved, we understand now, two casualties, one being 12-year-old uh, Zion Charles. You spoke earlier about affordable housing and poverty and uh, how this has an impact. And and I talk a lot about affordable housing uh, and poverty as well. I happen to be a real estate agent, so trust me when I tell you that that's something that I'm just keenly aware of, the crunch that families feel and with rising rents and rising interest rates, making it harder for folks who even qualify with good credit scores to purchase a home. It just seems like that the affordable housing part is further and further out of reach. A conservative radio host on a FM talk station in the northern suburbs had tweeted something that I thought was not even a thinly veiled dog whistle of sorts, that he he gave an anecdotal uh, story about how Atlantic Station was doomed from the start because uh, it was codified that it had to have some affordable housing included and that someone moved there and moved out within weeks because there were drug deals going on in the hallways. How do we balance seeking out affordable housing without also 
fostering an environment for where I guess there there could be elements of crime coming in as well. It's it's kind of a balance that's very tenuous, is it not? I think that's a reasonable question, and, and many dodge and, and, and won't have that conversation. But the reality is there are many individuals who choose to live uh, in our more affluent, nicer communities and uh, reject any form of affordable housing on site or nearby mm. for the very reasons that you've indicated. Shootouts, criminal activity, so forth and so on. But I will also give you the caveat. I have received phone calls serving citywide from individuals in Buckhead where there is no affordable housing, right. where, uh, specifically the landmark condos, where it's been turned into predominantly an Airbnb facility. Right. Again, these are luxury condos where there's marijuana smell or, or, or odors in the hallways, trash debris everywhere, and loud parties in the evenings and on weekdays. Mm. And, and these are seniors who literally are now being held hostage based upon the fact that, you know, we just never worked through the fact that we we're going to offer Airbnbs because at the time, no policy or legislation existed on the books to regulate that industry, right? Yeah, would... And so now we want to turn around and regulate it and put them out of business and it kind of doesn't work that way. Right. So I submit to you, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're in Buckhead or Bankhead, you're going to have challenges. Don't figure out how we level the playing field for as many families as possible, because I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have young people, those situations with those 400 kids is going to spill out all over our city if we are not getting a handle on this. And that's one of the reasons that I think we have to take a holistic approach. Now, I did receive an email from a, a, a young teen indicating that uh, uh, she was a high school student and uh, is involved in extracurricular activities, you know, drives a vehicle and is a model student. I get that. This is punitive and unfair to us. I hear you. However, there are provisions in this particular piece of legislation that state that if you are engaged in extracurricular activities involving your school or you're working, you're excused. Her response was, what if I want to go to a game or to a party? I submit to you that I believe that 17-year-olds and under should be supervised by a parent or a guardian. And I stand by that, given the challenges that you see happening in our city. I further submit to you that that particular kid that took the time to send that email and respond is not the kid that's going to be on the 17th Street Bridge at a student. They're not. So um, drastic times call for drastic measures. Mm. Uh, I recognize that this is not a one size fits all. I am hoping, Ron, that this will start the conversation and spur all of Atlanta to come together to find some solutions. Uh, I am very pleased that uh, Council Member Bakhtiari has done some legislation recently that I believe will certainly spur uh, affordable housing uh, for working families. And uh, this mayor has also made some commitments uh, to support uh, homeless communities and so forth and, and uh, vulnerable populations. And so, you know, these are ongoing, ongoing conversations. The thought is, is that Zion was killed on Saturday. Mm -hmm. What is it we're doing right now to lean forward, to send a strategic message to the public that we are not effing around with this? We're not playing. We want parents to know where your children are. We want you to be held accountable. This is not meant to be punitive. This is not to lock up and incarcerate our children. Mm -hmm. uh, the other pushback was, well, you're putting our kids in the penal system. That is not our goal. Our goal is for parents to know where your children are and to be accountable.
that actually raises a question that I had about criminal records, et cetera, and so on. We're on with Atlanta City Council Member at Large, Keisha Waits. Stand by. I'll ask that question right after the break here on the America One Radio app and at AmericaOneRadio.com. This is The Ron Show. 